0: All right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lions podcast. I'm your co-host, Mason, followed by Jacob Newton, your least favorite co-host. Thank you for that jab. The other episode, Newt. And today we are on with a very, very special guest. I told you guys he's a Cyclone legend, and I was not kidding. First team, All-Big 12, 2005, second team, All-America freshman squad, Todd Blythe. Todd, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really excited to have you. And I'm, I'm going to lead off with a really, really stupid question, just because I need to get it out of the way. I, I haven't asked any one of our any one of our you know, guests this yet. And it honestly comes across my mind all the time. But it's no secret that you were the guy at Iowa State when you played football there. You know, just if, if anyone who doesn't know Todd Blythe, which is probably few and far in between, go and watch his highlight tape. It is absurd. But he was just the guy at Iowa State. And I have to ask, how dope was it just walking around campus just always knowing, man, this is pretty cool. Like, I own this city. Everyone here loves me. It's just fun to be the guy.
1: Uh, I don't know about all that. But, um, (laughs) I mean, first off, appreciate you guys having me on. You guys went through all the really good receivers first and then finally uh, ran out of people to talk to, so you gave me a call. But So, no, I'm excited to be on here. But, no, we did – we had some good years at Iowa State. Um, So, I played for four years. Went to bowl games my first two. It was a lot more fun to walk around on campus when we were worth a shit. Uh, last two years when we kind of sucked, it wasn't as much fun. You kind of pull your hood up uh, over, your, over your head a little bit and, and maybe hide a little bit when you're only winning four ball games. But no, it was fun. I love my time at Iowa State. Um, you know, some of my best memories and, and still to this day, some of my best friends uh, came from my time at Ames. Good
2: stuff. So one of your best friends was probably uh, your quarterback, Brett. How how much do you think your guys' like relationship, being roommates, living together, all that kind of stuff, um, like contribute to you guys just having like a great connection on the field?
1: Uh, probably quite a bit. Uh, I mean, Brett, yeah, he's one of my best friends. Then he still is today. I mean, we still talk, unfortunately, probably on a daily basis. Um, you know, <laughs> with, with him and Mylan Moses and Austin Flynn and, and John Davis, like kind of our our group of guys, we still talk all the time. But um, yeah, living together um, for four years. Uh, Me doing extra dishes, you know, making sure that I vacuum the living room and pick up his room when it's, when it's dirty, just to get a a couple extra balls thrown my way on Saturday. Uh, No, I think uh, our relationship off the field really, really uh, helped us on the
0: field as well. And that's honestly a pretty good segue to what I was going to ask. So we talked about this with EJ Bibbs, our one of our most recent episodes, but we came out with the Iowa State all time starting lineup, right? And And every time we send a list, it gets very contentious. People will always disagree. No matter how much they agree with probably a higher percentage of the list, there's like the 1% of the list that they disagree with, and they just get pissed off. So we put down Brock Purdy at quarterback, Troy Davis at running back, Alan Lazard at wide receiver, Todd Blythe at wide receiver, EJ Bibbs at tight end. And you, you replied and said that we misspelled Hakeem Butler. Were you saying that it should be you and Hakeem? Or Allen and Akeem.
1: No, kick Allen out for sure. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. I think uh, Lazard is the undisputed goat at Iowa State. Um, he took just about all my records off the board, so you can't really argue with that one. And then when it comes to just, you know, pure talent, and, you know, he didn't have as long – maybe I, I played for longer, but just as, as far as pure talent and ability and what he could do on the field, I mean, he, he had a good junior year, and then his senior year was out of this world. I mean, what, what he was able to do down the field – that's the kind of stuff that I, you know, pictured myself doing and it didn't look the same when I, you look at my film compared to his film. So, uh, you know, I, I think I get the benefit of the fact that I, I started as a freshman and played for four years and, and had some success. But now those two guys are pretty special. I don't know. Uh, I, I'd be happy to come in on third downs uh, with those two guys out there.
0: So you think that you you would put Hakeem over yourself in that lineup then, huh?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to be politically correct, man. I mean, if you're going to (laughs) pick me up against the wall, I play wide receiver. You know, we're not exactly the most, I guess, humble people in the world. But, um, (laughs) I mean, I I thought I could do some things on the field, but no, I I mean, Butler and Lazard, those are the two of the best ever do it.
0: Okay. I'm okay with that because we were were kind of – it was a tough list. It really was. And I was kind of teetering on the edge of my own bias. I think Hakeem might have been my personal favorite to watch. Um, I'm still going to disagree with you. I actually thought you were better than him though. I I mean, (laughs) like looking at some of your highlights, most every single one of them, you caught in traffic, you caught many of them one handed. (laughs) Okay. Maybe you could have separate, but you're still coming down with the ball every time. And I mean, I, I, I don't even know who this team was. I tried so hard to figure out who it was. Was it Colorado where you had, you, you caught it midair and then someone hit you and you basically went. Like parallel yeah. to the ground. Yep. Was that Colorado? Yeah, that, was, that was
1: Colorado. That was the game that uh, got delayed because of a tornado a touchdown in Ames. Um, so Actually? that was, uh,
0: yeah. So
1: it got delayed Damn. like an hour or so. Um, and then, yeah, I got a ball thrown to me on the sideline. Brett, of course, threw me into traffic as he as he generally <laughs> did. Um, yeah, kind of went up to get it. And then as I was up in the air about to come down, I got hit again. It kind of launched me up higher uh, and then kind of came down upside down. But So that one. You know, it wasn't a real tough catch. All the all the extra stuff happened after I got my hands on it, but it looked pretty cool.
0: So, you landed on your head. Like, do, do you remember <laughs> that play? Like that
1: would be yeah, one? Yeah, I, mean, I, I had my fair share of concussions in college, but I actually remember <laughs> that one. So, <laughs> fair enough.
0: Fair enough.
2: All right, you had four touchdowns against Texas A and M, and that that goes down as you know probably your best game. Like, how fucking cool is that? I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, is there just some point where you're, you know, either, you know, even in pregame warmups or kind of right when you get in the game where you just know like, hey, this I'm taking over today or like today is my day. And like, when did you know that like you were just going to own the Aggies that day? Um, I
1: think probably early on in that game, like the first play of the game, we were in a double move um, and actually they bit hard on, on, the, on the hitch route that I kind of faked and then took off off upfield. Uh, and Brett um, underthrew it a little bit. I went up to get it, and the guy, we got P.I. on the first, first play of the game. And for whatever reason, it just clicked like hey, These guys aren't ready for what, what we're going to do to them. A&M back in the, at, at that point, and in Iowa State wasn't where it is now with Coach Campbell. So I think they came in thinking they were just going to cruise. Uh, it was the nationally televised game on ABC that week. Um, President Bush was in the stands watching. Uh, so it was, it was a good game to go off because everybody around the country got to see it. Um, But, yeah, there comes a point – you hear guys talk about the zone. Sometimes it's in basketball when they're shooting the three. But it was one of those ones where any time that we called a pass play, uh, it just felt like I knew I was, one, going to get open, two, going to make the catch, and three, um, make a couple guys miss and and be able to take the distance, which I don't make a lot of guys miss. So that's not a feeling that I was, you know, real uh, real used to having. But it was – yeah, it was a special day, and uh, a lot of good things happened that day.
0: So I I don't even have this as a question, but you are – you don't give yourself enough credit. You're a lot more critical of your game than I would be for sure. <laughs> um, you know, what's one thing just kind of watching football after you hung up the pads that you're just like, I really wish I worked on that part of my game a little bit more. Cause I, I know that you're thinking of it just the way that you're talking right now. Yeah. I, I know that you consciously think about it all the time.
1: Um, yeah, just to critique my game a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously at six, five, I could run a little bit, uh, back then. Um, I would say the biggest thing and it wasn't for fault of the system or or lack of effort, you know, but I wish I could have been able to, or had the body type to um, get bigger, stronger. You know, Lazard is 230, 235 pounds. Uh, You know, Butler is 225 to 230 pounds. I think I was listed at like 214 and I was not 214 pounds. I I, I don't know if I ever broke 210 at at six, five, um, and when you get to the next level, you know, guys, these big, strong BBs get their hands on you, and you can't do much about it. Um, and so, I wish I would have been, you know, done what needed to be done, or or been able to just pack on a little bit more weight, be a little bit stronger out on the field to go along with, uh, uh, you know, the gifts that I did have as far as you know, being tall, running a little bit, being able to jump up.
0: Fair enough. Do you think? Also, I wish we would have thrown receiver. the ball
1: a little bit more. We had a Nebraska <laughs> O line coach as our OC, so.
0: Okay. That that is a tough one. (laughs) Only
1: team in America whose fullback led the team with touchdowns.
0: (laughs) Is that actually a a real stat? Our fullback led the team with touchdowns?
1: Ryan Cook. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I had nine his his, uh, senior year. And I think he had, I don't know. You guys have to go back and look. Uh, I'm not going to, but um, Ryan Cook was our fullback. And he probably had at least 10 or 12 touchdowns that, that year.
2: That's wild,
1: Brett. Uh, Brett and our quarterback coach at the time, Todd Fitch, um, um, so Brett Meyer and Coach Fitch would always talk about. Like they look around the country, they see all these quarterbacks getting these cheap touchdowns, these three-yard slants, or little, you know, five-yard fade patterns, or out routes in the uh, but down by the goal line. And we never got those. We we're inside the five. We we're handing to the fullback. If we we're going to score, we had to score from about fifteen to twenty out. But oh well, that's
2: the way it was. I mean, do how many stands? touchdowns do you think? Oh, yeah.
0: No. Oh, I was actually about to ask you, new, Do you know, like, what sports analytics would say on that nowadays? Because back in the day, it was, I mean, me just being dumb, brand is like, oh, we're close to the goal line. Let's just run the ball. And I don't even know how, how, like, legit that That's actually the defense is when it comes says to says sports too. analytics. All of a sudden there's <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Scrimmage, so
0: <laughs> makes it a little bit harder to run through a wall when it's there.
1: It certainly does. If, there, if you're ever going to get, you know, singled up coverage and man to man, it's, it's a lot of times it's down on the goal line. So. Mm
0: -hmm. That's fair enough. New, what were you going to say? I'm sorry.
2: I was just going to say, it sounds like Todd would be uh, maybe doubling his school record of touchdowns if he was playing in like the spread offense, that's kind of more prevalent in college football.
1: At least. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it would have been fun to see what happened if we had thrown the ball 30 times a game, like they do these days, but. Um, and Brett's, all Brett's records, he's still got a few, but all his records would be up there still too if we had thrown the ball more than, you know, 18, 20 times, kind of like we did then. So this
0: mm-hmm. is his own
1: fault for being athletic. We ran him a lot too.
0: We did. We did. And I want to I talk about Brett for a little bit. So I kind of put him a little bit in the camp of Sam Richardson, not necessarily that I think they're the same, but I, I think both of them can sometimes be overlooked or excuse me, underlooked quarterbacks uh, from like at least – my time watching Iowa state. So Todd, you know, you were like teetering on the edge of my generation. Do you remember Todd? Do you not remember Todd? Like it, it, the 2004 to 2007 timeframe, I believe that's just, that's kind of right when I started watching. So I remember you, but a lot of people don't. And I think that's kind of where Brett Meyer falls as well. I thought personally from watching him, he was the third best Iowa state quarterback I've ever seen. It goes Seneca. It goes Purdy. And then it goes him, and maybe I would put Sage there, but I I wasn't old enough to watch Sage in his prime, right. so I can't I can't honestly say that. But I, I felt somewhat similar with Sam Richardson. I thought Sam was really good, and and I think that maybe he didn't quite get the respect that he deserved. And I, I think very similarly to Brett, I thought he was just a very outstanding quarterback, very serviceable, just did what was asked of him. But I think sometimes, you know, winning winning can take away from a lot of those things. And, and we, we were winning, but maybe just not quite as much as we are today. So people are so quick to kind of forget about that. You know, what do you, what do you think about recency bias and how, how it, uh, can sometimes make us forget who the the rates actually are. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. For lack of a better term, maybe. Yeah.
1: No, there's (laughs) definitely recency bias and I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I look at now and I see what Brock Purdy's doing. And I think Brees Hall is probably the best example of it as far as you see him. And you say, oh, he's got to be the best to ever do it at Iowa State. Uh, and, and he might be talent wise. He's putting up, obviously, just ungodly numbers that are leading the nation in, in a lot of stats. But we had a guy who rushed for 2,000 yards two straight years with Troy Davis. And he, I mean, everybody in the ballpark knew he was getting the ball. That's when Iowa State really sucked. So everybody knew he was getting the ball and it didn't matter. So. Um, I mean, I don't know how anyone and a lot of people are going to argue that Brees Hall is the goat. It's tough for me to say Troy Davis isn't, but I think that's that's across the board. And and when talking about Brett, uh, obviously, I'm biased. Uh, I lived with the guy for four years um, and and played with him and started as freshman together all the way through. But um, he was a fantastic quarterback. If he could do anything we asked him to do uh, on offense. And unfortunately, with the the offense we ran or for whatever reason, um, he didn't get asked to do some of the things that he probably was capable of. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is 6'3", 215 pounds and runs a 4'5", 4'6", 40, uh, was an MVP of a bowl game because he ran for over 100 yards and threw for 100, over 100 yards. I mean, he could do it all when we asked him to, um, and we just – especially our last two years when we weren't very good as a team, uh, he wasn't put in a very good position to be able to do that stuff. But, I mean, again, I get it. I'm biased to Brett, <laughs> but at the same time, I think – I look around, you know, I, played a long time I coached a long time I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come through different programs and he's as good as I've seen so long-winded answer as much as I hate to admit it Brett's pretty damn good
0: <laughs> I love that and I- I'm sorry I'm I'm just I keep going off about this but to segue into your career you know what would you say about that because you're clearly too humble to admit that you're one yeah at least a top three wide receiver of Cyclone history but like the people that that are like, I, I don't, I don't know Todd very much. We just had EJ on and he was asking who our, our list was. And, and he asked me early, he was like, Todd Blythe. I, I got to kick him out just because I don't really, I'm not very familiar with them. So like, you know, to those people who aren't as familiar well, with the place too. So. Yeah, okay. We'll kick him out. You know, he wasn't on
1: my list
2: anyway. So <laughs> he didn't Biv's, like it, but he did not like it. No,
1: <laughs> no. Um, you, so you want me to say like, what, I don't know what you asked me. You want me to say what I was good at? I don't know. Do you feel a need to defend your legacy? I don't know. Um, maybe I, I get a, you know I get people to come up to me and be like, "Oh man, I remember watching you when I was a little kid." I'm like, "All right, well, piss off." You know, now you're calling me old, but um, no, I think uh, I mean I, I was a good player. I put up some good numbers and had had some success at Iowa State. Um, yeah, I don't know what else you want me to say, man.
0: That's fair. You don't, you don't have to go into I knew that I wasn't going to get it pulled out of me. No, we'll I'll settle for that. Back in the
1: day, back then you might have. I, I mean, I was a guy who, you know, I, I was tall. I could jump a little bit. I could run a little bit, but I wasn't the fastest or the strongest guy on the field or whatever. But I always thought the ball was mine in the air and believed that I was going to come down with it. And a lot of that was just a confidence and sometimes a fake confidence. I just talked myself into um, thinking that I was the best player out there. And man, if you would ask asked me when I was, 20, 21, 22, if I was the best receiver in college football, I would have said, you're damn right. And now, obviously, I wasn't, but that's what I, you know, almost had to convince myself of to be able to go out there uh, on Saturdays as a, you know, skinny white kid from small-town Iowa and make plays against the big boys, so.
0: And do you know what represent?
2: Love damn him, right. Man.
1: Warren County, baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, you played in probably, I think, the – the last cool Iowa state logo and uniforms, like some of the big <laughs> swirly bird helmets are like amazing. Can you start advocating for that? And like getting like Jamie Pollard's ear, we're, we're really trying to push off the, the block I state logo and stuff. Cause I mean, imagine incorporating color black with it. Like, like just, you know, did having, you know, kind of that cooler uniform, does that always help? Is that something that you guys care about as players or like, oh, of
1: course. Of yeah. course, it is. especially yeah when you're when you're that age and, and as a recruit too coming up I mean that's half the time half the reason they do all these crazy uniforms is because you know 16, 17, 18 year old kids in high school like it and they got to get the recruits so um, it's funny at the time the the whirly bird swirly bird whatever you want to call it um, we didn't we thought it was kind of dumb on the side of our helmet we're like oh it's really busy it's just a cartoon bird on there we didn't necessarily love it at the time. Um, but looking back now, and I think it's just because I'm older and I'm looking back, and that reminds me of you know all all my good memories and the time spent there. Now I love it, and I would love to see them bring it out. Or I love when, like the Iowa State bookstore brought out all the stuff with uh with the logo on it. Um, yeah, you kick the blue out, put the black in the in its place, and I think it's a great logo.
2: I thought they were sneakily going to incorporate the swirly bird uh, that, uh, that homecoming say. week because they were pushing <laughs> it so hard. Everyone's like. Why is the books are holding all that stuff? I'm like, please do it. Please do it. Please do it. Especially after we got the bugle logo. Like, oh,
1: how bad was that thing?
2: Oh, so bad. Like you have the 80s. And like,
1: like, if you want to incorporate some sort of cyclone or tornado, because it is, you know, our mascot and our name. Like, I'm fine with that, but that was bad. I don't know who did that. Somebody in the design, uh, you know, design major at Iowa State came up with the bugle and that was (laughs) was a mess.
0: (laughs) You love talking about the bugle, Newt. I hate <laughs> so it bad. so
2: much. I just want to like get a collective like voice of everyone saying they hate it too. So then that way they're like, okay, it needs to
1: disappear. Like we don't need it on any, on any shirts or hats from here on out. It can, it can go away. That'd be fine.
2: Yes. It needs yes. that validation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: love it. I love it. Okay. So Todd, you broke pretty much every single receiving record that I would say had, and you still found a way to go undrafted. I, I mean, And I I almost hate to ask this question because in a way it could bag on Iowa State a little bit, but I I also just kind of want honesty here. Do you think part of the reason why you went undrafted was just because maybe it's because the Iowa State on my helmet, you know, just an under underlooked guy from small town, Iowa, going to a school that, you know, we said it wasn't, wasn't quite the best, wasn't exactly where it is right now. Do you think maybe sometimes that Iowa State logo maybe in the past, maybe not so much today, but in the past did hold some of these people back from getting an honest look in the NFL?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my situation, I mean, you even take that out of it. So, you know, maybe I was good enough to get drafted maybe I wasn't, but at that point, you know, we looked around the draft, you know, before I went out, after I came out, the, the years after that, before we really got things turned around and you see guys from all over the country from, blue blood programs where you're like, man, we, you know, either speak, as, you know, personally about myself, like, and I really think I was a better player than that dude. Or, you know, so-and-so for Iowa State was a better linebacker, a better receiver, or a better tight end uh, than that guy who just went the fourth or fifth round. But he's got, you know, uh, a Longhorn on his helmet or OU on his helmet or Notre Dame on his helmet. Um, so I absolutely think that plays a part of it. There's also be something to be said about the trust that scouts and teams have in those programs. I mean, they're kind of, they know what they're going to get when they get a kid from OU or from Texas or from Notre Dame, Alabama. It was the same thing when I was coaching college football. It was the same thing. If you had two recruits that you thought were pretty equal and one came from, uh, you know, West Des Moines Valley and one came from a small little 1A school, probably going to take the kid from West Des Moines Valley because you know what you're going to get with that program. So I get it. Did it piss me off then? Of course. Uh, does it piss me off when I see it happen to kids now? Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So luckily I think we're turning that around and that's going away. I mean, we're probably going to have four or five, six kids drafted this year. So
0: yeah. Or the next couple of years at least. Sure. I heard a scout say one time that the NFL doesn't like recruiting any offensive players from uh, Navy. Navy runs a wishbone, right? Or is that army? Yeah. Still- hand,
1: it, hand it off. Times. Yeah. so's army.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I mean, I hate to admit that it kind of makes sense sometimes like you, you know, you're going to have your own anxieties with what you're unfamiliar with. And if you're, if you have concerns that some guy is going to walk into your system and not pick it up right away, then maybe his talent will also not transition over too. So, I uh, I mean, I'm more bitter about it, but I guess, I guess I can kind of see it. I don't like it, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's still frustrating. I mean, you would like to say, you know what, the talent speaks for itself. Look at what the kid, look at the numbers he put up against that competition. Uh, I, t- I remember playing Texas, and somebody uh, – I, mean, I caught a ball on the sideline and handed it to a guy that was sitting on the bench when I got pushed out of bounds um, just because I thought it would be funny. And he ended up throwing the ball back at, at my back as I went back on the field. And he said something like, what? Like, you're not any good. You're playing, again. You're playing for Iowa State. And I'm like, well, yeah, like, I don't get to play Iowa State. Like, I got to play. You don't have to play Texas. You play us. I don't get to play Iowa State. I'm playing Texas. So it's they, something to be said of, like, if we're having success against the big, the big boys and, and you can't even get out on the field against us. But, uh, you know, that, it is what it is. So people are going to look at the Blue Blood programs a different way than they do uh, uh, some of the other schools,
0: regardless of success. Mm-hmm. Including the College Football Playoff Committee. Oh my God. What a bunch of clowns.
1: <laughs> we don't have to get into that. <laughs> no, we, we'd be here a while if we got into all that. <laughs> we would.
2: A, we'll would. we save that That's for next time. It's all
1: about money. Everything involved with the NCAA is just about the bottom line.
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. Um. So I kind of wanted to talk about your, your post-cyclone career. You know, you, you had a lot of success in the arena football league. Do you think that was because of like, you know, getting the ankle surgery and maybe being a little bit more healthy or, or kind of what allowed you to, maybe succeed there, Um, whereas, you know, maybe bounce around a little bit the first two years, like, from Iowa State.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the success in the Arena League was, one, it was just it was a lot of fun. I mean, it wasn't anything that I ever took too seriously. There's a lot of guys in that league, at least then and probably now, that are just hell-bent on, hey, I'm going to make it to the next level. This is what I'm going to do. And I was at the point kind of, especially with the injury situation, where I didn't I wasn't thinking that way. And so I could just relax and go play ball. And I actually played pretty good ball the two years that I that I played for him. Um, but it was just also kind of a way for me to get the playing part of it out of my system. And and I had started coaching. So start my coaching career. Um, but yeah I you know dealing with the injuries coming out, the fact that I didn't have an ACL on my right knee, um, you know, when I went to the combine and getting the the medical, you know, dings there where nobody's gonna draft you kind of untouchable almost. Uh, and then having to, you know, break my ankle and have to have the surgery when I was up in uh, in Canada, that stuff was frustrating because at that point I still wanted to make football my career. And then at some point you kind of get past that, you say, okay, maybe it's not going to happen. What's my next career. And, and at that point I wanted to get into coaching and I had started doing that. Uh, and the Barnstormer stuff was just a way to, like I say, kind of get the playing career out of my system, uh, have a little fun with a good group of guys um, and then do the next thing.
0: Fair enough. Well, Todd, I know that you got to get going probably in the next five, 10 minutes or so. So I'll, I'll try and wrap this up. This will be my last question. If we got time, I have a stupid segment. I, I usually do the stupid segment at the end if we ever have enough time, but um, you know, kind of segueing into, you know, your ankle injury, I saw that I did, I obviously don't never watched you play baseball, but I heard that you were really, really good. And at one point you were considering, am I going to be a baseball player or going to be a football player? We've seen that a lot. We've seen it with Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. And, and I mean, I played baseball when I was younger, but I just think football is so much more fun. It's more likable nationally. That's the appeal. But the one downside is is injuries, and baseball will protect you there. Some people think it's an easier career to make more money. How was that decision? And did a lot of those things, you know, was that running through your mind? Because I I feel like, you know, 20 years ago, people weren't as maybe safety cautious as they are nowadays.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly as far as the safety thing, you didn't think about it back then. I mean, concussions were still back when I was playing, it was still, you know, that, uh, are you okay? If you can nod your head, you can probably go back in the game. So, uh, obviously that's, that's completely changed. I mean, we had a concussion protocol back then, but you know, you just knew to do really bad on the baseline test at the beginning of the season. And then, so if you really got dang bad and you messed up the test the second time, you just look stupid the whole time and you can go back in and play. So, um, and baseball. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, in high school when I made the decision to, to stop playing baseball and focus on football. Um, Looking back, who knows how far I could have gone in that sport. But uh, I mean, man, baseball, one, is guaranteed contracts. You can play for a lot longer. In, in baseball and basketball and every other sport, if they cut you, they still got to pay you. In football, if they cut you, they stop paying you. And I know that firsthand. I got, I got fired and the checks stopped coming in. So uh, it's uh, I, to all the little kids out there, if you, got to, if you can truly do, do either one, well, baseball is
0: a pretty good deal. Oh. I hate that you said that, but
1: okay. <laughs> hey, I got two torn ACLs, torn meniscus, concussions, ankle surgery. Baseball players ice their shoulder, you know, once every five days. So,
0: <laughs> And you don't even know how many concussions you probably had either. No idea. That Colorado catch, that had to have been one.
1: That That's had probably one of them, yeah. I, And I never got knocked out cold, which is good. The, the only concussions, the bad ones I got um, were the situation where I got – like against a and my freshman year at our place, I went in to, to block a safety. I tried to cut block, and I got kneed in the side of the helmet. Um, so went over to the sideline, you know, felt fine, came back in the next, uh, the next series. You know, again, felt, felt completely fine. Brett called a play in the huddle, and I thought he called a new play, like a brand-new play that I, I, I just – nothing he said made sense to me. No plays. He, could, he would call the play, and I would have no idea where to line up, what routes to run. Everything else felt fine. Um, so he kind of saw what I was doing stood up called somebody like hey we need another receiver in here this guy doesn't know what's going on so um, and then again it was back in the day I came back in the second half and played so which wouldn't (laughs) happen today but uh, yeah concussions are. I never got knocked out which was good but I I certainly didn't know what the hell was going on sometimes
0: fair enough
2: well new. do you have any last minute questions I always just like to ask you know, like what, what's something you've been working on now? Like any, any passion you're pursuing? What's, what's Todd Lith doing, uh, post, uh, Uh, college and coaching.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just trying to be a good husband, good dad. I got two little kids now. So I got a four-year-old named Jace. Um, and then a one-year-old little girl named Kaylin. Um, I'm a shitty golfer, but I love doing it. Uh, it's like my, the last athletic competitive thing I can do at this point in my life. So I like doing that. Um, get out hunt fish a little bit when it's nice out. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. So sit back and uh, watch the young kids play on TV now.
0: Good deal, man. Well, again, thank you so much for all your time. Um, I think we have a couple minutes. Do you have a couple minutes for a really quick segment? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. So I'm a little, I'm a little, like I said,
1: this is the stupid segment. So
0: this is stupid. This is like you turn (laughs) off your brain and you just, you answer, you don't really think about your answers. You just answer how you feel. Okay. Um, and I call this Meyer to Blythe. Really creative. Huh? It's not like millions of other people haven't came up with it in a segment <laughs> like that. <laughs> but Meyer to Blythe. So obviously, Brett Meyer, Todd Blythe had, I think, the greatest connection in cyclone football history. Maybe we'll get some different answers from Todd because he's humble. So you just tell me who you think has better chemistry or like a better connection, and, and we'll go from there. Okay. So Meyer to Blythe or Purdy to Kolar.
1: I'm gonna say Myra to Blythe. We played together. Myra four, we played together for four years. lived together for four years. Our connection was as good as it gets.
0: Not okay. as good as players, right. maybe,
1: but but a better connection.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I feel that. All right, who's got a better connection, Myra to Blythe or Jay Z and Beyonce?
1: Oh God, <laughs> that one threw me. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, they me and Brett are married, so probably Jay Z and Beyonce.
0: Okay. All right. I got another one that might throw you for a loop later <laughs> on. Okay. Meyer to Blythe or Lanning to Lazard. They they have like a fun little you know. I got a Lanning to Lazard
1: I mean, Lazard was as good a receiver as it gets, but Lanning was a even back then was a linebacker throwing the ball downfield. So sometimes the ball came out like it too. I love I love Joel to death, but that ball didn't always spin real tight.
0: Okay. All right. That's fine. All right. Meyer to Blythe or. Jay-Z no, I already said Jay-Z and Beyonce or Kanye and Kim Kardashian. I, you know, they're not together anymore, but they did have a connection. Neither
1: one of us is batshit crazy, so I gotta go with us on that one.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Meyer to Blythe. Or, <laughs> yeah. Meyer to Blythe or Kemp to Hakeem Butler.
1: <laughs> well, you got you got one freak of an athlete and then one just maybe not a freak of an athlete in Cal Kemp, but <laughs> Um, again, they didn't play together long enough, so me and Brett. Okay, all right. Sorry, Kyle, Meyer you're, to Blythe. you're a great dude. You, you did a hell of a job. But. <laughs>
0: the, the, the world's greatest third string backup of all time. Yes. All right. Meyer Blythe or the Texas special teams coach and his connection with Pole Assassin?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, again, no monkeys anywhere to be found for, for me and Brett, so – um, yeah, that's a wild story. That was a content <laughs> bonanza when that when that story came out.
0: That was, it was, it was the greatest thing I've ever heard. I mean, I didn't even see it on Twitter. Newt explained it to me on one of our episodes. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That is new, so new
1: stuff just kept coming out about it too. Uh-huh. It's
2: like one of those where you are so shocked that then anything else that you hear about it is not surprising anymore because yeah. the original story is already like batshit crazy. Yeah. And then oh, she was like, on oh Jerry yeah, Stranger. that, yeah, of course she was. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Meyer to Blythe or Rosenfels to Danielson. Oh
1: God. Um, Meyer to Blythe. Sorry, Lane, but I got to say that. <laughs> <All laughs> I mean, right, Sage played enough. in the NFL for like 10 or 12 years, but
0: yeah, for a long time, Lane was doing way. what I
1: was doing, slinging medical devices. So,
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, Meyer to Blythe or President Leaf and private planes? What? I don't f- know if they have a connection. I ju- I think I just wanted to throw them in there just for the hell of it.
1: Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Meyer to Blythe, just because I don't know really know what that means. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Last one, Meyer to Blythe or Matt Campbell in the process?
1: They're Matt Campbell in the process. Nobody beats that. I connection. think you're right. Those two are no one those beats two that are connection, tight. man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well dude we really appreciate you coming on man um we'll have to do this another time i mean dude i could ask you questions for a solid five hours but you gotta go eventually appreciate you giving us your time man and um one thing that we do at the end of our episode if you're not named ej bibbs is we give our our fans a solid roll clones he was the only person that wasn't he was just refusing to say roll clones so please humor us this time and just just give us solid just give us solid roll clones to our listeners so Todd, really appreciate you giving us the time, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And without further ado, Roll Clones.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Roll Clones.
0: Roll Clones. Thanks,
1: Todd.